Just a quick word, I apologize for the blinking of the screen. If you notice, it's shifting around, and I heard some talk earlier about that, and we will be looking into that to try to clear that up. So I apologize if your eyes are like, whoa, you know, I'm seeing things. Okay, we'll see what God does here. Is there anything that you wouldn't do for Jesus? That's a soul-searching question. You got to dig deep for that one because following Jesus absolutely will take you out of your comfort zone, period. He is an adventure, and the life that he wants you to live is counterintuitive and radical. Let's say that your boss is prickly, okay? You might identify with this, and purposefully discourages you and your coworkers. This is what Jesus tells you to do love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's counterintuitive and radical. Imagine that someone really slanders you behind your back, says some really hurtful things that aren't true, and you get wind of it. You hear about it later. Here's what Jesus tells you to do. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. That's counterintuitive. That's radical. Someone up and slaps you across the face, unprovoked, no reason, out of the blue. It's normal to get angry in that and to want to retaliate. But Jesus isn't normal. He says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. That's counterintuitive. That's radical living. Jesus doesn't think like everyone else. If you haven't picked up on that already, uh, hopefully you can pick up on it now. He's different. Jesus is different than everybody else. And what he tells us to do in life is counterintuitive. It's radical. But here's the key. It's always right and it always leads to our joy. We are to walk by faith, not by sight. And so God doesn't want us to do what we see everyone else doing. He doesn't want us to be like the culture. Jesus might ask us to do counterintuitive things, but that's the nature of faith, to trust that Jesus knows what he's doing. If you really love Jesus, you need to be ready to live a different lifestyle than everyone else. Trust is the key. We follow the culture's expectations of roles in marriage because we don't believe what God says. Let's just be honest about that. Do you believe God and are you ready to submit to him because you believe he is your greatest joy? This message is difficult for women, particularly wives. If you listen to the culture on this, even much mainstream Christian culture, you won't hear God. You'll hear the culture slander submission as weakness, inequality, discrimination, or sexism, which doesn't help wives reveal the glory of Christ. The biggest reason I think that this is difficult for women is what we discussed three weeks ago. Eve sinned, and her heart changed. She was not the joyful and content woman she used to be, and God told her, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Sin messed Eve up. Sin messed their marriage up. Sin robbed Eve of the joy and contentment she once had complimenting her husband. Submission all of a sudden became a threat. 
The problem was not primarily outside of Eve. The problem was primarily inside of Eve. And the same problem exists in every wife. That's ultimately why submission is so difficult to swallow. Wife, your sinful flesh doesn't want to submit to your husband. But I want to encourage you, sister in Christ, God can give you the desire to submit to your husband His grace is powerful in your life. If you delight in the Lord and if you trust him, he will shape you into the woman that he wants you to be by his word and spirit and your beautiful submission could really be the catalyst to a revitalized marriage. Beautiful woman of God, you have to joyfully submit to your infallible God before you submit to your fallible husband. Submit to Jesus first. He will protect you and proliferate your joy. For the artist to draw a beautiful portrait, she must first sharpen her pencil. Before you can sketch out the beautiful picture of, uh, the beautiful portrait of submission to your husband, you must first submit to Christ. Colossians 1.18 teaches that Christ is preeminent in everything, so naturally James 4.7 is right. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Ephesians 5.24 says the church submits to Christ. Submission makes little sense unless your heart is fully surrendered to Christ. Wives, are you scared to submit to your husband? Probably. Probably. I could understand that. Just know that Jesus loves and cherishes you more than your husband does, and Jesus will always protect you. Here's how. Jesus will protect you from despair when your husband fails you. He will be your strength and joy and hope. Jesus will protect you against sin when your husband fails to protect you against sin. He'll lead and embolden you through his word and through his spirit. Jesus will protect you against any bad leadership of your husband. Jesus possesses supreme authority. So he'll keep the record. He knows. He watches. He keeps count, and he'll be the judge. He'll also give you the wisdom and discernment in responding to any bad leadership of your husband. If your husband directs you into sin, submission to Christ always, in every circumstance, takes precedence. Faithfulness to Christ first creates that safety and protection that you need to thrive as a wife. What does it mean for Christ to proliferate your joy? Proliferation is rapid multiplication, rapid increase. When you obey Jesus by submitting to your husband, he will proliferate, he will multiply, he will increase your joy. True obedience to God always proliferates our joy. Jesus said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's counterintuitive. That's radical. Give your husband the gift of your submission and God will bless you. God will bless you. God would not tell you to submit to your husband if it wouldn't increase your joy in him. So he's telling you this because he loves you and he wants you to maximize your joy. Jeremiah the prophet said to God, 
Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. I consumed your word, and inside it became a joy. It it became pleasure, the delight of my heart. Do you rejoice when God says to you, wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord? This message is valuable for you, wives, for all of us, really, and it's linked directly to your joy. Wife, submit to your husband as to the Lord. Male chauvinism did not invent this. It didn't come up with this idea. God is calling you to submit to your husband because, and this is so important, he wants to reveal something about himself through you submitting to your husband. Something glorious about himself through you. God's glory is the aim of submission. Here's what submission does not mean for a wife. I think that's helpful to clarify that first. It doesn't mean your husband is better than you or that you need to swallow your opinion and always agree with your husband. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean you just do whatever he says and you live as his personal slave. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean you turn a blind eye to your husband's sin or remain silent about his abuse. It doesn't mean idleness, inactivity, or passivity. None of those things magnify the awesome of God. That's not submission. Here's what submission is. The Greek word is hupotasso. And it's a compound word joining hupo and tasso. Hupo is a preposition meaning under or below. Tasso is a verb that means to assign to a place or task to be appointed or established. So when you put those together, hupotasso means to voluntarily establish yourself under something. It's a voluntary submission. You make a choice to put yourself beneath the leadership and authority of someone else. God tells wives in Ephesians 5.28 to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. And the key there is as to the Lord. Think about that. By submitting to your husband, you are submitting to the Lord. And that glorifies the Lord. Think of it this way. Just as godly wives willingly and joyfully submit to the authority of Jesus Christ, they should willingly and joyfully submit to the authority of their husbands. Submission is so much more about Jesus than it is about you or your husband. Submission is about Christ. And please understand, I want to make this loud and clear This absolutely does not mean all women submit to all men. I love the title Russell Moore's article, Women Stop Submitting to Men. Absolutely right. God didn't say women submit to men. He said wives submit to your own husbands. Don't get that confused. I think too many people get that confused and we get this huge wash confusion thing going on. It's one wife submitting to her one husband. That's it. That's what God has in mind. Now, why is this important to God? Verse 23 explains that the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So God wants marriage 
to reflect the marriage of Christ and his church. So this is a very important role. Then verse 24. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Marriages will not be revitalized without this truth coming out beautifully in marriage. Verse 33 says, let the wife see that she respects her husband. So submission includes respect. You don't always have to agree with your husband. You're not going to. In fact, a lot of times, your ideas are going to be better. In fact, in a lot of ways, you're smarter. Okay, amen. We're getting charismatic up in here. Hallelujah. That... That doesn't have to be, but God always wants you to show respect to him. When a strong and beautiful woman of God gives respect to her husband, it goes a long way in revitalizing the marriage. It's counterintuitive. It's radical. We're like, ah, I don't know, but it's right. It's right. What else does the Bible say about this? Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Submission, as Jesus defines it, is right for a wife. Not because men say so, but because he says so. Christ says so. Submission fits her. Turn quickly to Titus 2. Titus 2. I want you to see this. Older and younger woman, this is for you. Pay close attention to this. Titus 2, verses 3 through 5. It says this, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So how many of you are older women? <laughs> Isn't that a great question? Raise your hand if you're an old, an old woman. All right. I see a couple women, and some of you might be like, I don't know. That's mean, Pastor. All right. That's a great question. Some of you are old. Just live with it. It's how it all happens. God is calling you older women to disciple the next generation of godly wives. We need you older women. You have a huge ministry right in front of you. Just look around at some of the younger women here. Just look around at these young girls that are precious in God's sight. They need a role model. They need someone to teach them. They need someone to train them. Your ministry is sitting right here. And some of them are probably downstairs. No, 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 they're boys. All right. What little girl are you mentoring? What young mom are you taking under your wing to encourage in the Lord? The need is there, and I'm wondering, is your heart there? Older women, I don't know how you spend your time, but I hope you are investing considerable time in discipling the next generation of wives. God calls you to it. Study Titus 2. 
a strong and beautiful and dignified woman has great influence in teaching and training the next generation of godly women and wives and mothers. The teaching and training must start when these girls are little. They've got to see a life filled of it. Love them by teaching them what God thinks is good. Train her to love her husband and children. Train her to be self-controlled. Train her to be pure. Train her to work at home or care for her household. Train her to be kind. And here's our focus for today. Train her to submit to her husband. How many Christian wives struggle more intensely to submit to their husbands because no older women ever trained her how? They never had an example to follow. They never saw it at work. Young women need encouragement and support. They need you. They need you to show up. If our church is going to obey Titus 2, you older women have to own this. This is uniquely yours. We need your wisdom. We need your leadership. We need your discipleship. We need your strength. We need your wisdom. We need your biblical insight. Do you know why it's so important to train and teach women to submit to their husbands? Well, Titus 2 verse 5 explains it really well. It says this, that the word of God may not be reviled. When wives submit to their husbands, they uphold and they honor God's word. They show that his word is supreme in their lives and that they willingly submit themselves beneath it. But when they don't submit, they revile, they blaspheme the word of God. A woman who doesn't submit to her husband communicates by her life that the word of God is unimportant, it's irrelevant, and ultimately that she will not submit to God. Think about that. There's a lot at stake A quick word to all you single ladies. All the single ladies, none of you will probably get that, but no matter what age you are, uh, at some point you might desire to get married. And hopefully you're listening to what I'm saying here. So let me ask you, can you see why it's so important for you to marry a man that is just like Jesus? If you are under the age of 18, I plead with you to listen to what the Bible and your pastor and your parents, hopefully, are saying to you. This is why it's so important to find a guy that's just like Jesus. God's truth protects you. It's not trying to take something from you. You don't have to get married. But if you do, only commit to a godly man. The surfer blonde hair and the chiseled muscles, they're fun for a while, I'm sure, but they mean nothing when you're weeping your eyes out because of his unfaithfulness, callousness, or passivity. Don't waste your time with ungodly boys. Use last week's message as your guide. Give your heart, give your trust to a man who reveres Christ. And submits himself to Christ. A man whose love for Christ has been tested and proven. The closer a boyfriend or fiance is to Jesus, the more assured, the more at peace you can be that his future leadership will be just like Jesus and will be a blessing to you. That's what you want, young girls. Listen, that's what you want. 
So wives, you might hear this and you might get it. You're like, okay, I get it, but I'm not happy about it, okay? You might agree with what God says, but there might not be joy in your heart. So would it be helpful for you to know that Jesus, your eternally joyful husband, submitted himself to authority? Would that help? Submission isn't inherently weak or oppressive or objectionable. Jesus submitted, so it has to be good. Wives, if you can begin to link submission to the person and work of Jesus Christ, I think submitting to your husband will be more exciting to you, will be more joyful for you, because you'll be identifying with and imitating the one that you love the most. All right, Jesus is your example of joyful submission. Jesus is your example of joyful submission. Whenever you imitate Jesus, you are acting in the interests of your greatest joy. I want you to remember that. Let me say it again. Whenever you imitate Jesus, you are acting in the interest of your greatest joy. Jesus is God. He upholds the universe by the word of his sovereign power, and he is preeminent in everything, and yet Jesus willfully and joyfully submitted himself to earthly and heavenly authority. Do you remember when Mary and Joseph, they were in Jerusalem uh, for the Passover, and they left Jesus behind? Do you remember that story? And so after three days, I mean, if you're a parent, you would be freaking out here. Where is my son? Three days, haven't seen him. This is nerve-wracking. And uh, and they find him in the temple. And he's just being awesome. That's what, he's just being awesome. And after finding him, Luke 2.51 says this, that Jesus went down with Mary and Joseph and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Don't miss that. God incarnate submitted to his imperfect earthly parents. It was his, this is very important to hear, it was his role as the Christ child to submit to his earthly parents, to fulfill all righteousness. That had nothing to do with his value, role. With one word, Jesus could have overthrown the entire Roman Empire. Instead, he joyfully submitted himself to the wicked Jewish leaders and to Rome, and was crucified beneath their injustice. They weren't good to him. They weren't fair to him. The bloody cross of Christ is submission, submission that accomplished redemption. Submission is part of of Christ's perfect righteousness. So if we want the imputed righteousness of Christ to be received as a gift through faith, he's got to submit, and he did. Without his submission, none of us can be saved. I just want you to think of the value of submission. There's more. Submission originates within the Trinity. God the Son eternally submits to God the Father. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says that the head of Christ is God. So you have the Son equal with the Father, yet the Son submits eternally to the Holy Father, to his Father's headship. 1 Corinthians 15.28 says that Jesus will be subjected. It uses the word subjected to God. Jesus said in John 6.38, this is so radical, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus' life was consumed by doing the will of another, doing the will of God. God, 
That's submission, doing the will of God. Submission is about role, not worth. Submission is a calling, not an inequality. Just like headship, submission communicates something glorious, something beautiful about God. My dear sisters in Christ, when you feel yourself recoiling from the idea of submitting to your imperfect husband, amen, get your mind quickly to the beauty and supremacy of Christ. You've got to, or else you're done. Gaze longingly at him. Long for him. He is the quintessential example of submission. You can get it all from him. Wives, I I think this next point's gonna help you, and men, uh, husbands, I think it's gonna help you as well. Understand that submission is for all of us, and it is really good. Submission is for all of us, and is really good. God doesn't single you out, wife. You're not alone in this call. God calls every single man, woman, and child, everyone that ever existed, to submit. It's part of our calling. Romans 10 verse 3 implies submitting to the righteousness of God. Romans 13 1 talks about every person submitting to governing authorities. In Titus 3 1, Paul tells Titus to remind the people to be submissive to rulers and authorities. 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14 talk about submitting for the Lord's sake to every human institution. In Ephesians 5.21, Paul told the entire church in Ephesus to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then Paul mentioned how wives, husbands, children, fathers, slaves, and masters could do that. Submission is for all of us. Hebrews 13, verse 17, calls Christians to obey. It actually says obey and submit to the leaders or elders of their local church. Here's a quick aside I want to mention this because this is really, really important and it's relevant for us right now as a church. A pastor is an elder who teaches. You got that? A pastor is an elder who teaches. So I, as your pastor, am simply one of your elders. We have five elders, not four. My voice and vote are equal to each of the other elders. And it's helpful for you to know that God vests authority in the group of elders, not individual elders. Do you understand what I'm saying? So none of our elders here at Jerusalem Church have any authority apart from the group or what we call the plurality of elders, which is so clearly Uh, taught in scripture. Every elder, including me, is called to submit to the other elders. We're under the authority of all the elders. And I don't know anyone in this church that is more opposed to a one-man show and believes in the plurality of elders more than your pastor. I cherish it. I want to be under the authority of godly men because I know the Bible teaches it. Christ is pleased with it. It protects me and it protects us. I want it. I long for it. I want godly men to to feed into me and for me to answer to them. Okay? Submission is really good and it's for all of us, including me, including you. Everyone. So how should wives apply all of this? Because I think the Bible is so clear, so aren't you wondering, okay, what does this actually look like? So let me first say 
that I can't explain every way that this should be applied in your marriage. I'm not going to hit it. Can't do that. I can't describe how submission will look for you beneath the authority of your husband. But I do want to give you some practical application. Uh, But it really comes down to you submitting to the Holy Spirit as he leads you in applying God's word in your marriage. So my, my plea and my main application is focus on that. Focus on walking by the Spirit and applying God's word to your marriage. That, that's like the best application we could go, and that's on you. That's not on me to connect all the dots for you. But I do want to help you, so here are some applications that I hope help you. You could ignore all of this. That's your right to do. You could ignore all of this. You could choose to compete against your husband's authority, his headship. But just know that if you do so, you will discourage him from being the man that God wants him to be. You'll stress yourself out. You'll put your marriage at risk, and you won't be happier in the process. This is what wives are like when they fight their husband's headship. Just, is this who you want to be? Proverbs 12, verse 4. An excellent wife is a crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Proverbs 19, 13. A wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain. Drip, 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 drip. You know, you're just pulling your hair out. Proverbs 21, verse 9, and 25 and 24. Same verse. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 27, 15 and 16, a continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. To restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Look, it's clear. Argumentative and unsubmissive wives are aggravating. Aggravating. She feels like bodily decay inside of her husband. She's rotting me every day. All right. Hopefully you're not like, yes, that's what I want to do. Rot my husband. That's not helping the marriage. That's not helping her joy. Be a blessing. Be a crown of your husband. Christina, you're a crown. You're my crown. You honor me and... I, I, that is such a precious gift for me. Wives, be excellent for your husband. Be excellent. Let your life honor them. Here's another application. Delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. I, I, I just think that if you delight in God most, submission will overflow from your heart. And you will honor your husband. Dr. John Piper said this. Walking by the Spirit is what we do when the desires produced by the Spirit are stronger than the desires produced by the flesh. And then he said this, we always act according to our strongest desires. You do what you want to do. And if you want to follow the Spirit most, you follow the Spirit and you live in holiness. And if you want to indulge in your flesh and trample on the neck of your husband, that's what you do because that's what you want to do. He's right. The Holy Spirit can help you desire to submit to your husband more than you desire to control him or fight him or manipulate him. Now, 
If you don't have that desire, then the next logical question would be, well, how do I stoke that desire? How, how do I desire more to submit to my husband? Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You delight in God. That's how. I think you delight in the Lord by pouring over his word in order to meet him and know him and cherish him. It's it's just not, I got to get in my seven chapters today. I want you, God, and I come to this word because I just want to have you. I want to commune with you. I want to know you. I want to cherish you. I want to find your word precious so that I can know about you more. We come to meet him. We come to commune with him through prayer. We come to worship and enjoy him with all of our heart. The strongest women I know, my mother being one of them, the most biblically submissive women, the most joyful women are women of the word. They're women of prayer. They're women of worship. Those are the ladies I respect the most. And I see it. Oh, do I see Jesus in my mom and in my wife and in others. I think you'll be submissive to your husband when you enjoy the presence of God in your life. All right. Give your husband the gift of your respect. Give your husband the gift of your respect. One, it's biblical. And two, ladies, it works. It works. Do you know the effect of your respect in the life of your husband? Now, he, he, might not, he might not show it, but I'm telling you, if you respect him, that's just going to fuel greatness in him. Your respect for him can inspire him to be a better man. Even if he doesn't deserve it, respect him. If nothing else, God will be pleased and you will be blessed in that, even if he doesn't deserve it. All right, study Proverbs 31 and live it. Now, that might be the best application that I have today to study Proverbs 31. Study it, study it, study it. Study the wife and make it your ambition to be just like that woman, all right? And when you do and when you start getting in there and you're like, oh my goodness, I cannot be that. You know what? Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Be inspired by it because The Holy Spirit, the grace of God, can produce that kind of virtue in your life if you follow Jesus right into the virtue. He can do it. You can do it with his help, but you have to trust him and you have to believe that he will give you what you need and that you can actually grow into the kind of woman he wants you to be. Study the Song of Solomon and live it. Study Solomon's wife and ask God to give you the kind of passion that she possessed. You show honor, or you show your husband, enormous, enormous love and respect when you sexually desire him. You honor him more than you can even imagine when you give yourself to him as a gift. Ask your husband deep spiritual questions. 1 Corinthians 14, really tough passage to interpret, not going to do it here, but it does at least give us a principle that's applicable to marriage. In verse 35, it says this, if there is anything wives desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. Now, I can't take a whole lot of time to, to unpack that, but wives, I want you to listen to this. Ask your husband deep and meaningful 
spiritual questions at home. Do that. Even if you're a stronger Christian, and many of you probably are, try to draw him out by asking thought-provoking biblical questions where you need his wisdom and you need him to be biblical. So I guess I'm saying put him on the spot graciously. You know what I'm saying? Not like, you know, don't be one of those women that I discussed earlier, but put him on the spot a little bit. And God may use those questions to actually challenge him to say, you know what, I got to have some answers for my wife because she's smart and she's asking some incredible questions, so I better study up. I better grow in to be a, a, a better leader. Tell your husband how much you appreciate when he takes leadership and when he, when he, he gives you godly counsel from the word. Ask him questions like, would you just pray for me right now? And then if he doesn't, I want you to email me. <laughs> anyway, talk, talk to your husband first, but I will have some words with him. Um, ask him something like this. I'd love if you'd lead family devotions tonight. Would you do that? I'd really love to, to hear some of your insights from Scripture. Try to find creative ways to help your husband win spiritually. Because you know how we can get? you got to, like, serve it up sometimes. Because we're just like, what, you know? So wives, man, you can be a huge... And husbands, just a word to you, man up and have some biblical answers. Study up. Come on, guys. Let's go. Our wives might be more spiritually mature than us, so we need to amp it up considerably so that we can love and lead them effectively. You don't want to look like a bad leader in front of your wife, do you? I don't. I do not. All right, if nothing else, wives, ask your husband this, how can I be a better wife for you? Don't get offended when he answers honestly. Just listen, process, and apply. Your courage will communicate to him something really good. What if your husband doesn't love Jesus? What if he's not like Jesus? Think of it this way. Jesus tells us to love even our enemies, right? So don't you think that uh, respect and honor for your husband would be included in loving maybe your enemy? I mean, I hope he's not your enemy, but he might feel like it sometimes. God desires wives to submit to their husbands, whether the husbands love Jesus or not. But as soon as I say that, the topic of abuse comes up. And that's so hard. And I hope this is not your story, but if it is, we want to talk about it so that you know something about this. Okay? This is one area where submission is so grossly misunderstood. There is a way to respect and honor and submit to an abusive husband. First, remove yourself and your kids from danger. Right away, immediately. Submitting doesn't mean sticking around and getting you know, kicked around and beat up. In some circumstances like abuse, separation can be very respectful. Second, get help. Go to the godliest person that you know for counsel. Submission should never be interpreted as turning a blind eye to your husband's violence, anger, sin, abuse. Never, ever, ever interpret submission as tolerating or covering up abuse. At the heart of submission is honor and respect for the man acting in his best interest. So if he's abusive, then he desperately needs some other strong and godly men to step in and to intervene in his life. 
So submission means that you as a wife run to get help so that godly men can surround you and get involved in the situation so your husband doesn't destroy himself in his sin. Third, even if you're abused, don't hate him. Don't slander him. There is a way to courageously face reality, to not avoid it, to face it, without humiliating your husband at the same time. If your husband is not like Jesus, look, you absolutely need incredible wisdom to know how this plays out in your life. You've got to stay close to Jesus, and he'll help you. And you'll never have that wisdom without digging deeply into the Scripture, walking by the Spirit, and immersing yourself in Christian community and fellowship. Don't try to walk this alone without other women and men feeding into your life and nurturing you so you can thrive as a wife. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2 says this, Likewise, wives... Be subject to your husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. The way to win a disobedient husband is not to fight him, it's to submit to him. And then through your godly and Christ-like submission, God may grant that the gospel takes root in his life and he becomes a believer and he starts obeying the word to be the man that God wants him to be. This is so counterintuitive. This is so radical, but it's right. It's biblical. One last application. Adorn yourself with imperishable beauty. Sometime look up 1 Peter 3, 3 through 6. You need to write that down, wives. 1 Peter 3, 3 through 6. It will encourage you. Prioritize having a beautiful spirit above having a beautiful body. Look beautiful for your husband. We appreciate it. But more importantly, live beautiful. Live beautiful. Have a gentle and quiet spirit. If you really want to follow Jesus, you need to be ready to do some counterintuitive and radical things, to live that kind of life. And for many of you wives... This is is going to be a tough challenge here at the end. This is probably one of the best tests of your love and devotion to Jesus Christ, how well you're doing in submitting to your husband. I just want to encourage you. When you think you can't do it, when you look at your husband's failures and you look at your own failures and you're like, "I, I can't do this. You're right. You can't. But God can And his grace is powerful in you. And his spirit is powerful in you. And when he works in you, he can give you new desires to replace the old desires. And you can do this. You can do this. For the glory of God, you can can do this and not only survive, you can do this and thrive. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the model of submission that we have in him. I pray that I am a more submissive uh, man to Christ and, and that the other men can say the same thing. And I pray that our wives could submit uh, to their husbands just as a ch- does the church submits to Christ. And I pray that children could submit to their parents. I, I pray just that we do not demonize submission but that we see it as a precious and beautiful and strong thing because Jesus did it, and we want to follow after him and do what he says. So God, help our church to be a submissive church. God, would you bless our wives? Would you encourage the one whose husband just is, he's sitting there not doing anything. 
and he's not leading spiritually. Would you encourage her that maybe through her submission and respect, she could win the heart of her husband and plead with him to follow Christ? Would you use women in that powerful servant leadership role? And God, I pray for the the marriages who are pretty healthy. Would you help them to be more clear about how this works out so that their, their marriage could be even more like Jesus and reflect him? God, we need you because this is counterintuitive. And so we look to you and we ask that you do some incredible work of grace in our church and in our lives, in our hearts, in our marriages. In Jesus' name, amen.